Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mystic Show. Or welcome back, if you're a regular listener. We have a lot of them now. And uh, this is the show we do every single weekday morning uh, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And um, we, we discuss spirituality, mindfulness... And also personal development, because we love the practical part of this, that uh, we don't just talk about abstract ideas and uh, fanciful theories. We like to, well, we like to talk about them, but then we also like to talk about how to implement those things in our lives to live a better life. I often say that this show is about all things unseen and otherworldly. Because, can you see love? I mean, you can't even see light. (laughs) You can't even see photons of light until it hits something. You can't see happiness. So these are feelings, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's so much that we, we can't see with our eyes, but is very real and very important and essential to being a complete human being. So... Uh, yesterday we had a great guest. Hope you got to listen, uh, Jennifer Urizio. That was a wonderful show, and and this is like this is almost. I feel like it's All Star Week at the Mystic Show because we have uh, we have a great guest today. I'm going to introduce in a minute, and uh, we also have a guest tomorrow, and then uh, on Friday I hope Mystic Maria can jump on with us again. So. Um, so this is great. I just want to mention our website is themysticshow.net, and it has our phone number there where you can actually call us and ask a question. So if you're listening live um, and you want to ask a question to me or my guest, uh, go ahead and call on the phone. The number's on the website. I'll just give it out once now just uh, for you people who have a pen handy. Uh, I see people scrambling for pens right now. It's 973-498-8033. And again, that's on the website too, themysticshow.net. And um, as I usually do, I'm going to tweet right now and post on Facebook that we're live, which is always fun, right? See, people are online. They're just, you know, chatting with social media, and then they might see a little notice that, hey, the Mystic Show's on, and click here to listen right now. So um, anyway, this is all new media, and uh, it's all intertwined, and, and we love it. So let me uh, let me introduce our guest. Uh, I, I want to say that um, I, somehow on LinkedIn, uh, I, I was connected with our, our guest, and I got a message about, uh, let me see if I can find it right here. Actually, I got a message on my, you know, the LinkedIn, your inbox, and it was talking about the week of spirituality, values, and global concerns at the United Nations. So I said, oh, the United Nations is having a program about a whole week of programs on spirituality, values, and global concerns. And I thought, you know, that's interesting because... You know, spirituality is is a personal endeavor in many ways, in most ways. But we all know we're connected to each other and we're not separate from our brothers and sisters and other countries and everything like that. So I actually sent a message back to uh, our guest and invited her to be on the show. So let me, uh, let me introduce Dr. Ani Kalijan. She is a corresponding secretary uh, on the NGO Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns. She's also the chair of uh, the Health Transformation and Spirituality Working Group at the UN. She's a professor at Columbia University. She's a board-certified expert in traumatic stress. She's the author of a book called Disaster and Mass Trauma. Global Perspectives in Post-Disaster Mental Health Management. She's also the founder and CEO of Mind, Body, Echo, Spirit, 
and she's a tra- uh, educator. She travels the world lecturing, and and I must say her her bio goes on and on. There's like twice as much as I just read, but we don't have time to read it all. So thank you so much, Dr. Ani, for coming on our show. Thank you, Chris. This is really exciting. We uh, uh, synchronistically connected through LinkedIn. I appreciate that a lot. Right. See, social media does help. <laughs> yes, yes. Or else I wouldn't know. We are in New Jersey, but I didn't know about your wonderful fractal stream radio station. Great. Yeah. So so we're really happy to have you on here. And, and I really wanted to start. I mean, we have like a hundred things to talk about. But I wanted to start with the, uh, let, let's just talk about that week at the UN, the week of spirituality, values, and global concerns. Just give us a quick idea of what that was all about. Oh, this was uh, approaching our 10th anniversary. Next year would be 10th, uh, exactly 10th year of uh, doing, conducting, or organizing a week of spirituality at the United Nations. Um, our uh, committee, um, which is the larger committee, the parent committee called the Committee for Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns, and uh, my our working group is called Health, Transformation, and Spirituality. And that the Health, Transformation, of Spirituality had a special program, organized the panel. I'm not sure if you came to the panel, but it was uh, on... Um, addressing sustainable peace through forgiveness and sustainable uh, happiness too through forgiveness and anger management and um, it was really really a wonderful panel we had people talking about their personal transformations from anger and uh, expecting always other people to change and pointing the finger to uh, really embracing change within us and feeling the power and the empowerment growing within us. So it was a wonderful program. It was a whole week uh, long uh, panels and the festivities started from Monday the 21st of October until um, United Nations birthday which is the 24th. That's the foundation for the UN, and we celebrated with a big cake, and we had given awards to different um, ambassadors, such as the ambassador of uh, Nigeria to the UN. Uh, So it was a wonderful reconnection and recommitment of uh, spirit, uh, uh, spirituality at the UN. Because as as Dag Hammarskjöld said. Uh, we will not be surviving as humanity if we are not uh, in touch with our spirituality. That is so true, and I think everyone deep down understands that. Um, so, uh, Dr. Ani, I, I wanted to, you mentioned the the topic was forgiveness and anger management, and forgiveness is like such a personal uh, thing. You know, we... It, only an individual can forgive something. So um, was it helpful to, in such a big group uh, around the United Nations, was it helpful to discuss such a personal, it's almost a personal spiritual practice, right? Forgiveness. Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes and no. Uh, It is personal, but then as uh, everything, uh, the education and the uh, sharing has to be on a, collective level so that we can learn the tools, have uh, a variety of different uh, responses. Uh, We had PowerPoint, we had uh, uh, one of the speakers talked about her personal uh, um, journey of uh, losing her mother and going from uh, sadness to anger about the injustices around uh, her mother's death and how she transformed uh, that anger through her own uh, belief and faith and, and forgiveness. And the other person, uh, again, from own experience, she brought her own three uh, failed marriages and her now finding the key to uh, uh, interpersonal happiness through finding your own 
recalibrating your own emotions and emotional intelligence. Basically, what we emphasize is about emotional intelligence, which is something very public. People need to know that you can learn that at any age. It doesn't matter. We can't change our, our IQ, Chris. This is the reality. We're born with whatever we have. But guess what? The good news is that IQ is not making us happy. It's the EQ. Uh, and uh, therefore, from there, I have coined also SQ, spiritual intelligence, which is something that is universal. And it starts from kindergarten, really. Right. So so spiritual intelligence, or uh, right? That's what you said, right? Yes, the the emotional intelligence is the EQ, and the spiritual intelligence is the SQ, right? And and okay, so you've been <laughs> you've been working on this this committee has been going for ten years. You said right? Oh well, the organization. Um, uh, well, we have talked about health transformation and spirituality, which is uh, seven years of age. But uh, our organization, larger organization called Meaningful World, which is uh, um, founded in 19, I founded in 1990. Okay, right. And I wanted to mention that's your website, right? Meaningfulworld.com. Yes. Yeah. I was looking at that earlier. There is so much material on your website. It's really nice, actually. Yes, we do a lot of disaster relief as well around the world in 45 different uh, calamities. May that be after natural or human-made disasters uh, to help people on the mind, body, spirit level to uh, rehabilitate after such devastation. Right, and because you're also a board-certified expert in traumatic stress, and actually that's what your book is all about, Disaster and Mass Trauma. Well, that's uh, the first book. Uh, We have uh, three other books now. One is on forgiveness uh, and reconciliation, which is part of the American Psychological Association's Peace Series. For the first time, they uh, were able to integrate the forgiveness into peace building because... Uh, for the past 50 years, the research on peace psychology or peace um, activism did not include forgiveness. So uh, uh, this is the first that uh, is being uh, kind of uh, um, for the first time used as a peace building tool, which is very uh, important to uh, teach people how to do that. Uh, We only have uh, forgiveness in our uh, holy books uh, and people usually make it like oh you have to forgive or else you'll be punished uh you know the very very elementary level of uh, spirituality where they are moved by punishment or you know these uh, notions of burning in hell that we hear in many parts of Haiti and Africa where they're moved by fear. They uh, motivate them by fear, creating fear in them. And uh, I think it's important to uh, realize that it is the more we exercise our own free will, we will be more centered, more grounded than than moved by fear. So uh, um, the forgiveness has now grown um, and we are doing research in over 10 countries on the impact of trauma and how forgiveness, their level of forgiveness is facilitating their recovery, their healing and meaning making, which is also a course that I'm teaching at Columbia on, on this topic on forgiveness. Yeah, that I mean, forgiveness seems. It, I'm happy we're talking about forgiveness because it is so important. But it must be so difficult for you know. I mean, I know you've spoken in countries where you know there's been war and and you know that kind of craziness. And to be able to forgive another country and 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 other people for doing such mass destruction, I, I can't even imagine that. That must be so difficult. Oh, it's very challenging. The one thing is we have to uh, carefully define and uh, uh, delineate 
all myths, uh, you know, re kind of the myths about forgiveness is, is we have a list about uh, myths about forgiveness. There is, a, for example, people think that we're forgiving the act. We, there's no way that the act of genocide or act of rape or incest is forgivable. What we are forgiving uh, or trying to forgive is that uh, the person who has committed the act is a human being but was uh, perhaps misguided, mindless, not mindful and, and uh, lost and uh, distracted or disturbed and uh, we are forgiving that person with empathy because we know that they are bleeding too um, and we you know start relief with forgiving our parents, forgiving our siblings, forgiving ourselves for giving our bodies uh, for uh, when uh, the body gets sick, when uh, uh, we least expect and so on, we feel betrayed by the body. Um, so these are some of the um, focus uh, that we are forgiving the person who was, uh, like uh, Jesus said, forgive them, Lord, because they know not what they do that he was talking about mindfulness that he said these people are not mindful that's why we need to forgive them and educate them and lead the way and uh, show them the way being the example like Gandhi talks about be the change you want to see you know when you point the finger outward Look at how many fingers are pointing towards you. <laughs> we are most uh, in, most responsible for our actions. But how many times you hear, you know, I hear in my clinical practice, oh, it wasn't me, I put my fist through the wall, my wife made me angry. Mm. And uh, so what happened now? I have a fractured uh, knuckles uh, or, uh, you know, a bruised uh, fist. So the anger is going to hurt us first uh, before hurting others, but still it's a damage, uh, it's not a win-win situation, it's damage-damage situation. Uh, uh, is uh, hurting ourselves and then hurting other people that are around us, our loved ones, which is uh, basically hurting society at large, is, is uh, poisoning us. So uh, um, it's, that's the reason we emphasize on EQ, emotional intelligence, because the research shows that uh, the IQ, you cannot improve or change. You're born with whatever level of intellect you are born with. But the good news is that EQ and SQ, emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence, you can learn until the day you die and you can even teach to uh, uh, people with psychosis you can teach to people uh, who have um, uh, autistic tendencies or autism full-blown autism and the research is showing the good uh, uh, results of really actually being able to you know uh, teach uh, this and uh, also the researchers have uh, tracked how uh, in inner city schools where the kids were cutting school and, and failing in their classes and, and having uh, encounters with the police, now they are excelling in school. They found a niche. They love something and they're able to work on that and put their energy into that. So we're seeing the positive outcome of this. That is really wonderful, and I just want to remind the listeners, you're listening to The Mystic Show, and our guest today is Dr. Ani Kalijan. She's uh, the corresponding secretary for the NGO, NGO Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns at the United Nations. She's also an author and um, an educator traveling the world. It's interesting, uh, I'm, I'm, you're talking about forgiveness and EQ and SQ, now do you ever, since you speak a lot, do you ever encounter people and or countries or areas that 
are not really open to this? Are are do you ever try to teach someone and they're maybe so disturbed or so hurt that they're not they, they can't handle it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, uh, definitely, we don't even have to go too far outside of our uh, um, neighborhood, of course. But in the Middle East and in uh, Africa, there we find a lot of tribes or uh, historical uh, trauma that people have extreme difficulty to let go of, uh, because of uh, two aspects, the generational transmission of trauma and uh, uh, the second aspect is the horizontal violence um, that is uh, the outcome of long-term oppression and the oppressed victims internalize what the oppressor is doing because they can't negotiate and they can't express their own rights and their own concerns so after a while they just internalize and then they explode at their brothers and sisters and acting just like the uh, oppressor um and uh those are the uh, <clears throat> the two areas that uh, makes us resist the uh, forgiveness because it feels like we are giving something to someone else that's the reason why when i teach I separate the four from giving. So you are giving to yourself, not to other people. Of course, ultimately, you other people are benefiting from your insights, from your transformation, from your embracing, loving, forgiving attitude to the conflict. Of course, everyone will benefit. But first and foremost, is the person who's holding that grudge or um, betrayal or the negative feeling, that is the first person that helps. How many times, even in a private clinical session, clients have said, uh, I'm not going to give him or her that gift of forgiveness. I'm not doing that. If, like, as if there is an understanding, this myth, that when you forgive, you're giving a gift to the um, one who has hurt you. It's just the other way around. First, you're giving the gift to yourself because you're no longer a slave. You're no longer connected with the oppressor. Because as long as we're angry, we are like chained with our quote-unquote enemy perpetrator, the person who has uh, betrayed us. Because we have that energy, that anger is a very strong energy and connection with the person. So if you want to set yourself free, that's the first thing one needs to do is forgive. For, <clears throat> for giving to oneself. For letting go of ongoing hurt and pain. And forever. So that's the way that we present it. It is self-love first. And then giving a chance to the other person when you don't have that anger. Your, your demeanor, your aura, your energetic field, all is going to be changed, which a lot of times changes the other person. Mm. We have noticed that. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with what you're saying, and we often talk about it on this show that um, when you change yourself, you change the situation, and uh, we we don't tend to think about it like that all the time. A lot of people. So, um, do you see a lot of people out there trying to deal with you know trauma and stress or or this anger um, in ineffective ways? I mean, people must be doing trying to solve their problem. I mean. Obviously, alcohol and drugs, you know, drowning your sorrows is one way. But, I mean, maybe some, even some religions might be another way where people are too dogmatic and, and they, they don't want to forgive because, for religious reasons. Do you find a lot of ineffective ways of people trying to handle it? Oh, uh, of course. Um, well, substance is very, very uh, uh, frequently used uh, in terms of... Uh, when there is a conflict, uh, there is a, a vacuum created and the people therefore feel emptiness 
so and uh, uh, lack of resolution. So that's why they use, uh, uh, we tend to use things to fill ourselves uh, or in an attempt to fill ourselves. Um, it could be food, sex, uh, drugs, uh, um, gambling, any kind of uh, habit, uh, habitual kind of patterns to fill. A lot of times my clients have uh, expressed in these words saying that uh, uh, there's an emptiness, there's a hole in me and for whatever I do I'm having difficulty to fill the hole and uh, what we recommend is to fill it with some positive meaning because if you, uh, uh, we have all of course gone through negative uh, experiences but uh, um, if we find just like Viktor Franco says uh, uh, if we find a positive meaning in our suffering then it's like wow it's a, it's a lesson it's a workshop it's something I learned so I would no longer be a victim I'll be a hero I learned something oh my god this is amazing but uh, um, you have to be able to uh, find something that is uh, that sustains you, something that you can take a positive lesson that you can take from the uh, suffering. As Viktor Frankl, he's a Viennese psychiatrist, and he uh, was in Auschwitz, uh, and uh, um, it's uh, he, uh, he has a book it's called man's search for meaning and uh, uh, of course he has over 38 books but that's uh, one that I recommend highly to the listeners here man's search for meaning elicits his struggle being in Auschwitz but keeping that uh, positive meaning and uh, alive in himself uh, the love for his family uh, the love and care for the other prisoners and uh, him as a physician taking care of others and so on really kept him uh, alive and well even though he suffered because his whole family was killed but he came out with a deeper meaning in life and that's what he teaches to others and I was fortunate to take a course with him and study with him and uh, he helped me to um, uh, really change my attitude uh, uh, to life because at the time I was uh, just finished with my doctorate from Colombia and I was doing the research uh, on the genocide, the, the survivors, Armenian survivors of Ottoman Turkish genocide and uh, heard so much suffering. I was just so much angry with the perpetrators because all the atrocities that I witnessed listening through these uh, older men and women who are uh, who at the time were about 75 close to 80 years of age and at that time in one's life you have to be in more peaceful state where close to transforming to uh, another life form and uh, uh, the anger was just so much because the Turkish government uh, as a denialist propaganda for 98 years now they deny and they in their history books they have the revisionist history that uh, Armenians are the ones aggressors and they killed the Turks that's what they learn so uh, this was very very um, ang you know for me it was very difficult uh, uh, to hear these stories over and over and I've heard it from my own grandmother because uh, my father is a survivor and uh, I've heard all these traumatic stories of death march and um, uh, going through Arabian deserts and so on the rapes and the killings so uh, um, he said that uh, you have to help your community forgive and I was shocked. I looked at him and I said, what do you mean forgive? They don't even acknowledge anything happened. So how do you do that? And he said, uh, 
how long you plan to wait for that acknowledgement. And look, it's 98 years now. Still, it's not acknowledged. If the whole nation can uh, uh, wait for their healing until there is an acknowledgement, then there is nations that are uh, now suffering from the same situation as the Armenian survivors waiting for something, waiting for Godot, waiting for acknowledgement. While we have to empower ourselves to acknowledge ourselves, create therapeutic environments like we do once a month. Uh, the next one is on Saturday, where we teach people how to do, how to practice emotional intelligence, how to manage our anger or negative emotions, how to uh, find meaning in life, uh, and uh, basically how to empower ourselves and transform and embrace uh, spiritual understandings to uh, improve our everyday life. So uh, uh, those are some of the ways that we help people both locally on, uh, you know, once a, a month we have programs uh, like this Saturday, the 23rd of November. And uh, also we have programs at the UN, the one that you uh, mentioned. And uh, also we uh, outreach to the uh, globe in terms of, uh, for example, this year we worked with uh, uh, 10 countries uh, in the Middle East. Uh, we worked on peace education and uh, trans uh, emotional intelligence as well in Palestine, Israel, Jordan, and Lebanon. And in, uh, uh, <clears throat> in June, we worked in Haiti, which uh, the, the Haitians are still suffering from the impact not only of the earthquake, but generational trauma and the generational ecological stress where they have deforested and every low rain uh, will cause floods in the country, in the island. <clears throat> and then we worked in Africa, in Kenya, in the slum areas, in uh, Rwanda, with uh, still dealing with the genocide, the impact of the genocide, as well as in Burundi, which the same, the genocide between Hutus and Tutsis affected Burundi as well, very badly. And then we, in October, we went to Armenia to work with some of the refugees there. Uh, many thousands are there from Syria. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of suffering that is going on, both on individual and collective uh, levels. So learning about meaning-making and emotional intelligence, EQ and SQ, would really give us uh, many diverse tools to uh, overcome our obstacles. That that really sounds good, and I'm so happy you mentioned uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, and I'm so, uh, well, maybe jealous that you got to meet him and work with him, because I was profoundly influenced by his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, as well, um, yeah. years ago. What a great book. Uh, what a, and so I wanted to ask you, a lot of folks listen to The Mystic Show, and by the way, you're listening to The Mystic Show, and our guest today is Dr. Ani Kalijan. And uh, you mentioned a couple times finding positive meaning in suffering. And can, can you expand on that a little? Like, how does someone do that? Because I know a lot of people listening to this show are on their own spiritual journey. They're looking for little tools and little helpful hints. And, um, and we've all, we all go through some sort of suffering uh, on different scales for sure. But can you talk a little, little deeper about that? Uh, sure. Uh <clears throat> One of the uh, focus uh, um, emphasis that uh, Viktor Frankl uh, um, shares is that uh, you have a choice um, in any trauma to uh, connect with the positive or the negative. That That is something from the beginning is our choice. And nobody, no enemy, uh, no uh, bad person can take that away from us. And the choice is... You can look at the uh, cup half full or half empty. Um, you can look at, uh, uh, oh, how terrible this is for me, uh, how it's the end of the world, my whole house is gone, I have no material left. Or you can say, oh, my God, I didn't die. It's okay, the material is something I can uh, 
try to uh, gain uh, afterwards. So uh, uh, he uh, points out, uh, Viktor Frankl, that it is our choice. In fact, um, no one can take that choice, the free will, what he calls, away from us, the free will. As long as we have a breath um, in our uh, system and uh, we are alive, we are free to choose. And once you start seeing yourself free to choose, uh, that victimization is already dissipated and decreased. And then uh, once the event has occurred, uh, for example, we can give, uh, uh, I can share the uh, positive uh, lessons from 9-11 uh, that just happened in New York uh, about 13 years ago. Um, and uh, we studied, uh, we conducted interviews with the people that live in that area and have businesses in the, uh, um, uh, which is ground zero at the time, uh, at this time. And what we found that uh, most of them felt that this was an opportunity for them to unite, that uh, New York in fact got more united after the uh, uh, atrocity and that now individually they are finding uh, more meaning in their life in a way they're uh, um, living each moment fully knowing very well how uncertain life is uh, appreciating their uh, uh, everyday um, even the small things as uh, waking up and being able to see if you have a uh, eyesight, you know, appreciating something as simple. You're able to walk appreciating and being grateful for the um, possibility of walking, uh, for the possibility of hearing the chirping birds in the uh, uh, outside the window, and so on. So, uh, uh, what the the survivors here pointed out that they now, before the nine eleven attacks, some of the neighbors even they lived uh, next to each other for uh, five to ten years. They didn't even take time to say hello to each other, learn each other's names and family situation. Now they were all talking in the hallways. They were coming into each other's homes. They learning not only their names, they were taking care of their the children and cooking together. So there was a camaraderie community that uh, got nurtured um, um, after the attacks. Uh, even there was a, a survey six months after the attacks, the health uh, clubs, health uh, gyms and health areas in Manhattan, the membership kind of tripled in some areas because people wanted to really be fully present in this day, uh, taking care of oneself on a physical level, taking care of oneself on the spiritual level, on emotional level, on all three levels, as well as taking care of Mother Earth, the ecological Ga Gaia. Um, so uh, it really brought all these positive lessons and people said, wow, you know, since I'm lucky and fortunate that I didn't die, I wasn't killed, so let me do something positive to make a difference in my life as well as in the life of my loved ones. People started saying, I love you more frequently and uh, of course meaning it, but expressing it before that they felt oh well you know I can say it once a year that's enough but they started feeling the need and the expression of feelings the importance of that and uh, energetically expanding their uh, positive thoughts uh, where negative thoughts is always constricting us and escalating our agitation but uh, um, expanding thoughts such as love and spirituality, as uh, you said earlier when you opened the show, that these are things that we are not able to perhaps see, but we can actually see the uh, behaviors that can show us that, the openness, the 
uh, smiling, the uh, open arms, the hugging, the uh, expressing love and attention and appreciation, gratitude to each other, and empathy. That's the major thing in terms of forgiveness and meaning-making is empathizing that that person is also a human being and perhaps they're misdirected, they're not mindful, but that's the reason why we need to give them love because they are bleeding, you know, looking at anger and outburst and negativity as blood, like someone is bleeding. And our tendency would not be to yell at that person, but we yell at angry person very, very readily um, and uh, reactively. Because if somebody is yelling at me, my knee-jerk reaction would be to yell back louder and uh, <clears throat> more. But when you are conscious and you think to yourself and you observe and you say, oh my God, this person is expressing a lot of negative feelings. Uh, they may be frustrated, disappointed, hurt, and jealous, uh, which is just like equivalent of gushing blood from their arm or leg or somewhere vital. And my tendency would be then to say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like in your mind, imagine... I'm so sorry you're bleeding. Mm. It's not physical blood, it's emotional. It's like vomiting. It's it's discharging negative emotions. The person is poisoned and is getting the poison out of their system. So we have to help them and send them love. I know it's very challenging, but one way I try to uh, help uh, envision that person as the person that is bleeding so when a person is bleeding, we tend to run to rescue them and help them. Uh, can I help you? Can I take care of the blood? Let's stop the blood and put some uh, uh, antiseptic uh, uh, and then clean it and then put some bacitracin um, and, uh, you know, heal, help the healing process. Um, <clears throat> so you see, that's a shift from my automatic knee-jerk ego reaction. My ego reaction would be, how dare he, she is yelling at me. I can yell louder than him or her and we'll be in this match with the um, really uh, uh, hilarious ending where two people constantly yelling at each other and not even listening to one another. At all. <laughs> it is hilarious, isn't it, when you look at it that way? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I really like the way, you know, that, thank you for that answer. I mean, that was so many distinctions to get positive meaning out of suffering. You talked about the choice, having the choice. You talked about empathy, that the person is also a human being. And you also, I love the idea that the anger and the outbursts are just basically emotional bleeding and that person might need more help. Um, so you talked a little bit about your uh, your beginning. Oh, by the way, you were talking also about 9-11, and I wanted to ask you this. In your teaching, do you ever get into like any metaphysical concepts or like, you know, fate or karma? Because some people would say that, for instance, 9-11, 9-11 happened to be, uh, to help us connect with our neighbors and to show love and express it. So like n nature or God or whatever you want to call it had to, you know, smack us down a little bit to get it, to wake us up. Um, do you, do you see it like that? Or do you ever get into any teaching about anything like that? Well, of course there's, uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, we look at it as opportunity. Um, I know that uh, each uh, negative uh, encounter is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for you to exercise your ability to be um, to use your positive attitude, to be forgiving, to be loving. It's the most challenging uh, 
exercise to send love to your quote-unquote enemy or the other who has uh, in some way hurt you and that's what we teach in our training programs first we start with the self because uh, uh, the self is the most important thing it's not it doesn't come from selfishness it comes from selffulness uh, first taking care of yourself and being having um, that full um, meaningful attitude so that when you encounter um, challenges from outside or internal challenges you're able to deal with that because your foundation is strong now your spiritual and emotional foundation you have enough tools uh, on the emotional and spiritual level because if you don't then it's going to affect the body uh, we have seen many people even after 9-11 who didn't express their sadness uh, especially in armed forces and the police and rescue workers uh, those who didn't express their feelings they didn't cry or they didn't talk about it uh, you know one case came to me uh, paralyzed uh, almost couldn't walk um, and uh, brought uh, in to my office in a wheelchair and it turns out that uh, he worked almost 24 7 for two years uh, after 9-11 because he wanted to get the the benefit of a large um, retirement check and um, he retired and then he couldn't walk and uh, all the uh, specialized uh, x-rays and MRIs indicated no physical abnormality or pathology therefore they recommended to come and see me because I'm trauma expert and uh, you know, in less than three months, he was able to walk out of the office without a wheelchair. Is because of emotional uh, uh, delayed grieving and delayed uh, trauma. Um, it becomes chronic and it becomes uh, more complicated to uh, um, treat people who do not uh, express their feelings and discharge some of the negative. Uh, feelings like for example Chris like when you eat something that didn't agree with you usually what happens you either vomit or if it has gone further down then you would have diarrhea right right but emotionally we don't have that automatic uh, tendency we our automatic tendency is uh, kind of takes us to destructive uh, anger outburst or revenge um, uh, so what we need to do is consciously we need to work on the discharge and we have a model for that that we teach it's the seven step integrative healing model that addresses the biopsychosocial and echo spiritual uh, aspects so uh, uh, maybe another time you know we can talk about that uh, or uh, you can uh, see the seven steps on our website at meaningfulworld.com and we teach it at our you know, training programs such as the one we have uh, on Saturday and uh, once a month we have those programs that we teach the way that people can discharge and then receive empathy or seek empathy and then learn something positive about the situation uh, about themselves in the situation how are you a better person now that you experienced 9-11 uh, if you say oh I can't trust any uh, you know uh, Middle Eastern people then you're doomed to uh, um, suffer but if you say that I learned to express whatever it is your lesson it's very unique but you know if it's something positive then you were able to uh, um, kind of uh, um, excel in your self-knowledge and in your meaning uh, uh, making uh, endeavor so these are some of the ways that we uh, um, try to teach it because we need tools just like uh, we need tools you to uh, balance your checkbook and these are the emotional checkbooks that we need to balance and uh, make sure that uh, are at the end of the day we have uh, 
we engage in enough positive encounters, we engage enough in building and and uh, loving and pampering ourselves. Uh, um, oh, by the way, pampering ourselves. I remember the on December fourteenth, we have a different kind of uh, spiritual mind body healers, and we're going to have a. Uh, like a, a what is it called Schmorzberg or something? Like <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so people will come and be able to uh, experience fifteen minutes of each kind of therapy, like Reiki, back remedies, coaching, and spiritual uh, um, uh, uh, angel reading, and so on. And uh, they can choose to be with, uh, you know, uh, four uh, healers and experience how it is to uh, go and receive these healings from uh, uh, practitioners, uh, homeopathic and mind-body practitioners. Um, um, and because we need to uh, help one another, uh, there's so much negativity and uh, you know, even on TV there are shows uh, talking about revenge. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't see a show that says forgiveness. I think <laughs> we to uh, encourage that the, what we, it seems, the media encourages uh, the gory, uh, negative uh, human reactions uh, of anger, like in terms of bridezillas or this zillas or that, uh, you know, displaying people's uh, anger and outburst and making that hilarious uh, but without coming up and saying well these are some of the ways you can overcome your anger and uh, uh, and manage your anger uh, and so on I have a wonderful short uh, um, uh, a poem on vicarious trauma if you want I can um, kind of conclude it with that with which really puts together several of the topics we talked about oh that would be wonderful thank you uh, it's called Vicarious Trauma, and this was after coming back from uh, several ten countries that we have traveled. Uh, uh, after several humanitarian rehabilitation missions, I'm finally home, sitting on my bed and wondering to myself, how am I feeling? Am I numb from all the traumas I've witnessed? Am I frozen, devoured of feelings? Am I so sad that I have managed to push all of my, my feelings down, or is this vicarious trauma? I came face to face with the bulging eyes of poverty in DR Congo. I witnessed the chapped lips of dehydration in Sierra Leone. I cried with the neglected and abused woman in Pakistan. I helped the young man with no legs in a village in Naiti. And I wiped tears from cheeks of a child in Rwanda. But afterward, I would always return home. I have a comfortable home to come to, unlike all the people I worked with. I returned home but isolated myself for a while, confining myself to the four corners of my comfortable home. Was I feeling the guilt of having economic comfort or of the privileges I enjoy? Or was it the disparity of education that I noticed destroying nations or was it vicarious trauma? My Armenian ancestors endured being homeless. They were driven out of their homes, forced to walk for months through deserts of Arabia on a march to their death. Where is God, I wonder, when I'm working in these traumatized countries? But now I realize that all of the human race, every nation, has experienced the pain and sorrow of being uprooted, conquered, and destroyed, only to start building all over again. I also witnessed the raw, uh, unadulterated, beautiful beaches in Haiti, the brilliant, peaceful stars in Lebanon, the giant mountains of Kenya, the breathtaking waterfalls of Sri Lanka, and Armenia's indomitable Mount Ararat. As I sequester myself to reflect, balancing the good and evil, weighing the positives and negatives, of all that I witness, I remain in wonderment as I ask myself, do we really need the evil to be able to appreciate the good? Thank you. Wow, that is really nice. Um, 
it's and and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you right right near the end here because we're we're just about finished. We only have a couple more minutes, but you talked about the beginning of your journey and uh, you know dealing with your you know interacting with your family and your grandparents who maybe still had some lingering anger from the genocide. Um, but it seems like you've sort of been dedicating your life to this mission of helping people overcome similar things. So, do do you have any? Uh, how do you feel about your journey? I mean, how did how do you um, did you specifically choose this journey, or did it just happen naturally? And and how do you feel about it? Well, I chose. Uh, I guess uh, I was uh, led to choose because I felt a lot of the sadness from the genocide in my family, and they never told me what it was because they were trying to protect us as children. So we, uh, I could feel the sadness, and they would be crying, and they're looking in the newspapers for their uh, lost loved ones. Uh, but I never knew what it was. Uh, I was born in Syria because of the genocide. They had to go through Arabian Desert and they were ma- able to make it, some of uh, my family, uh, my dad, for example. And uh, so it kind of was a inner search to make, to kind of heal myself and my family and my community and humanity at large, it uh, kind of expanded from myself and my family to the larger globe because I realized it's not just uh, my family, a lot of nations are suffering from generational trauma and uh, I, it's my responsibility because I felt how it uh, feels so bad and so sad as a child what not knowing what to do and where it comes from that I committed to uh, um, really dedicate my life to helping others to realize these are emotional wounds they're as and sometimes more uh, need more attention because they're not visible you think oh is is the this child is going to school and getting A's which was my case so she should be fine um, so th- these are uh, the the motivations that really led me to dedicate my life to uh, helping uh, myself and others to find uh, the inner healing and inner peace through forgiveness, through love and empathy and mindfulness and having practice on three levels, physical, emotional and spiritual as well as, of course, ecological to uh, take care of Mother Earth uh, to reverse all this global warming. Right. So this has been my pleasure totally. Dr. Ani Kalijan, Corresponding Secretary for the United Nations NGO Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns, author of Disaster and Mass Trauma, and your website, by the way, which people can go to and and see all of your uh, accolades is uh, meaningfulworld.com meaningfulworld.com I want to sincerely thank you for coming on my show and uh, and really sharing this message and I I honor you for the mission of helping people in such a uh, effective way really truly effective so thank you Dr. Ani Oh, thank you. I really appreciate this platform and your work to bring this opportunity for people to learn new tools to be able to uh, uh, heal themselves because they don't teach them in any <laughs> academic schools. <laughs> right. This is great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And have, uh, a have a good one. Yep. Uh, and thank you for listening. Um, this has been a great show. I mean, come on. Even I, even I have to go back and re-listen to this I was taking notes and everything, so so hopefully some of these ideas were helpful to you, and maybe you can move through your day today. Maybe bring this up to a coworker, a friend, a family member. Ask them what they think about how to find positive meaning in suffering or forgiveness. So thanks for listening. Um, And as always, you know, keep shining.